You can get me. Had a few things on my mind. My heart's overflowing. It really is. You know, I, want, I, I, I need to get into the sermon, but I want to just take a minute. You know, we first voted to take these steps back in January, January 16th. We presented it to the church. I guess the trustees and deacons talked about it before then. Then we got a work group together to look at fabric and do that kind of thing. And we looked at a lot of them, considered a lot, and brought it to you. And then we did the same with the carpet. So a lot of people have been involved to bring us to this point. And it just brings out the point that it takes a team working together to glorify God, because that's the purpose of it all. And um, we had talked about, there was some talk about trying to bring the pews in this coming Saturday, but we need to anchor them down, and we just don't feel like we could get them moved in in place and get them anchored for next Sunday morning. So we're looking at uh, Sunday afternoon, I guess. We'll go ahead and have another work day. If you're watching out there, uh, pay attention. We need you to come in and the Jewel Brothers have been thinking and the wives tell me that's scary, but I think they've come up with a good plan to bring the pews in here and get them put into place. Uh, so next Saturday, or Sunday afternoon, excuse me, we'll have another one of those days and we'll, we'll get her back to where we're used to. But it is, it, there is so much. And um, you know, we just don't know how the church touches people I was at a meeting yesterday and a lady walked up to me and said I was, I'd thought you would be here and I was disappointed because she didn't see me at first. Uh, not many people say they're disappointed to not see me. But she spoke up, she said, I started watching your service on live stream because I know Mark and Christy and I wanted to see them, but now I stay for the service. And so we picked up a, a viewer there that uh, I'll tell you who it is later. Uh, if you're watching, hi there, I mentioned you. But uh, the message does go out, and that is part of our fulfillment of the Great Commission. Jesus said, go unto all nations. And in Acts, he expanded that by saying Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, and he didn't say, unless you're small and don't have many resources. He didn't give anybody an excuse, and this is one way we do that. I appreciated Mark's encouragement to you that each of us need to share. Any of us, if you've been in a business, you know one of the things that'll grow your business is, is personal testimony. People saying, I did business with that people and they did me right, and then, other, and then you wanna do that. So word of mouth, that's the word I was looking for, is the best way to spread a message. And again, when Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last, he didn't say, unless you get too nervous. He didn't say, unless you don't know what to say. He put out the command to go and bear fruit, and I will give you the Holy Spirit, and he will tell you what to say, and he will teach you. And so the lesson, it's not that we need to go to years of school, that we need to memorize tons of verses. What we really need is learning to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide. Because I tell you, you can have the advanced degrees, you can be able to exegete the Greek, 
But what people will listen to more is when you say, I once was lost, but now I'm found, and here's how I got there. That, that'll do it every time. So that's where we need to be. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And I wanted to do kind of a recap because Jesus is kind of coming full circle here. We started out in chapter 5 with Jesus given the Beatitudes, or as I've uh, coined them, and I'm not original, the beautiful attitudes, where he showed us how we could be blessed. Blessed are you if you. And we all want that blessing of God. We all want to feel blessed by God. That, that's a wonderful experience. And then Jesus goes on and he starts teaching us how to get there. And that's where the rubber met the road. That's where it got a little tough as he talked about don't let hate and fill your heart to love even your enemy, to, to do good for them that want to do bad to you. And to, to understand that adultery is more than the physical act. It, it's in the mind and the heart. And over and over, Jesus taught us to go deeper and to follow him. And, the, and we acknowledge the difficulty that can be. But Jesus is coming around now and giving us the promise again. Follow with me as I read 7 through 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Join me again in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for all the teaching, Lord. Thank you for the hard teachings. We need that. Whenever you teach us those hard things, Lord, you're saying, I believe in you, and that you know if we will trust in you, we can, we can involve that and ingest it in our lives. Thank you, Father, for these promises we have today and help us as we try to gain a deeper understanding of them. It is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we read this, Ask and it will be given, knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. One of the regrettable things to me as we get older, it's a little easy for us to get jaded or cynical. And we can think, I've asked a lot. I've sought, I've knocked and things just haven't happened. And, and we ponder about that. And, uh, unfortunately, sometimes it can make us say, well, it must not be true. And I understand that. There's been things that uh, I've done all that with you. But where we have to get back to and where I try to remain grounded is God is true, 
His word is true. And so whenever I face those struggles, I have to look elsewhere. I can't, I can't say, well, God, you lied to me. He doesn't lie. I can't say, God, you were fooling with me. He doesn't fool around like that. I think God's got a sense of humor. He made some of you after all. But, uh, but we, so we need to look. And of course, we've looked all through the Sermon on the Mount and we've seen where Jesus is saying, look deeper, consider the heart, grow deeper in your faith. And this is true here as well. That later in other passages, Jesus said, if you ask for anything, what does he say? In my name, you shall receive it. Well, that doesn't mean ending a prayer with, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. That we do that, and it's true and valid. But just saying those words is not some magical incantation that forces God to our will. When we say, in Jesus' name, or when we pray in Jesus' name, it means we pray in his mindset, the way he thinks, with what he wants. And as we grow as Christians, that's to be what's happening in our lives. We Christians as little Christ. That's what it means if you break down the Greek. And we certainly start out as little Christ. We don't understand much, we don't know much, we don't believe much. But hopefully as we grow in the Word and in knowing God, we become more and more like Him and we understand where His heart is. We understand that He is desiring that everybody know Him, that we trust Him in every aspect of our life and yield on Him even when it doesn't make sense, even when the answer doesn't seem to be there, that we're growing. And, and I, I do believe that sometimes God does delay the answer until we get our heart right or to teach us how to get our heart right. There's another reason I think the answer is delayed, has nothing to do with us, is if you will study God's Word, if you'll consider the text in here, while there are times that God directly intervenes in history, you'll find that most of the time prayers were answered through someone else. Through someone else who is trusting God, who has yielded to God, who is believing God, and the answer comes through another individual. That's the way God works. That's the way God's decided to do it. He can, he can make it all happen right now. But he chooses to use us as his ambassadors, as his messengers, as his hands in this world. And, and so sometimes when you're needing something and you're praying out to God, God hears that prayer. He knew it before you prayed it, but he, he hears it. And he starts working on someone he wants to provide that to you. He wants somebody to learn how to yield what they have to give to someone else, whether it's time, money, 
love, whatever it is. And so sometimes I think the answer's delayed because that other person is just having to grow in that to where they come to that place that they can meet your need. And God's not going to leave you stranded. Uh, it'll, it'll come. I, I, I talk about Dr. Stanley a lot because he was such a profound influence on my life. I'm not trying to drop names there, but that's where I grew up a lot as a Christian is under his, his preaching. And he would take that verse, and I remember him preaching it, my God shall supply all your needs, Philippians 4.17. Then he would add on there, and you can add on time. When do we want it? I want it right now. I don't want to wait. Give it to me. But God knows when you got to have it. And he's more interested in you growing in faith, growing in deeper trust of him. He can, he can feed you. But he knows some of us can last a little while between meals. He can take care of your problem, but he knows how long you can last. And he's trying to bring all this together because his people need to grow in faith and trust of him. And so, so often, when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, and it seems like nothing's happening, we need to understand it's in his time. There's a great song. I hope we'll sing it some. In his time. I think we have. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. And if we can get that concept, if, if we can, if we can just really get that belief. He is a personal God. You know, we as Christians, that's one thing we like to tout to the other religions. Other religions can go to a place and they know that's where their leader is buried. We don't have that place. Our Savior arose. He's not in a tomb. He's not bones in the ground. He's not turned to dust. He's on high with the Father. And what does it say he's doing? He's interceding on your behalf. And so we, we like to point that out to other religions that our God is living and our God personally cares for me. Jesus taught us that in these Beatitudes. He said, if he cares about the birds that fly, surely he cares for you. If he cares about the grass and how he makes the meadows beautiful, surely he cares for you. You're his creation. And he's, like I said, that prayer, he's waiting for you to come home to see him again. He's let you go for a little while so we can enjoy you. But he, he's, he's lonely for you. So he's a personal God. But we struggle with believing that. Sometimes our problem is low self-esteem. God wouldn't care for me. I, I don't mean nothing. There's other people better or more important. No, your God cares for you as much as he cares for anybody. He loves you as much and cares for you as much as he did Billy Graham, who's home with him now. And on and on the list goes. Your God cares. Sometimes we let the devil whisper in our ear. Well, God, God's not going to answer me. God doesn't love me because of what I did because of how I used to live. That's not true either. We have that promise from God 
if we'll believe it, that as far as the east is from the west, so our sins are from him. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And he says, I will remember them no more. When we confess before God the life we lived at one time or the thing we did yesterday, the wrong attitude, the other, whatever it is, when we're sincere and we, Lord, I, I failed you again, Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Remember, that's how I like to say it, because he's already covered it on, on the cross. He's not getting back on the cross for me. He's already done it all, 100%. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. And then you can go on in righteousness, in fellowship, because he has cleansed you by his blood, and he has forgiven you, and it is gone from his mind forevermore. He's never going to hold that an account to you ever. And that's what unforgiveness is. We can say, I forgive you to another person. But if sometime later they kind of get on our bad side and we say, you remember when you did that? We haven't really forgiven. Unforgiving is holding them responsible. It's holding them to account. When we forgive, we release that. We free that bill. That's what God did for us when he forgave us. We were deserving of death in our sin and our trespasses. When he forgave us, he gave us new life. He doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, you messed up. You're going to hell now. Once you've received his forgiveness, once you've received Jesus as Savior, you're covered by the blood of the Lamb. And it's a matter of growth after that when you sin. To say that, Lord, I failed. Thank you for loving me, Lord. I'm a mess. I don't know why you love me, but you do. And, and he does. But you know, I know you know, those thoughts come in our mind. And it'll say, well, God can't love you because you did that. God can't love you because of this. Well, if God's forgotten it, who's saying that to you? It isn't him. We have an enemy who roams through this world seeking who he may devour. And one way he knows he can bring you down is to say, you, you, can't, you can't serve God. You're too messed up. You can't serve God. You had this sin in your life. So that's the devil talking. And we need to do as Jesus did when, Jesus, when Satan tempted him. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm a child of the king. I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. My sins are as white as snow. And he lives within me. Openly. You'll, you'll feel silly doing it. I know. I did. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to share one other lesson about that I'm just sharing from my heart a lot today that uh, when you do that you see so often we'll argue with Satan on our merits we'll argue with Satan about what we did but it's not about what we did 
when we rebuke him, when we tell him to get behind us, it's in the name of Jesus Christ I rebuke you. He cannot stand to the name of Jesus Christ. He can stand up to Wes. He can argue with Wes. But when I say I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb, Satan flees. And he will rebuke. And I mean, folks, when you get, get into God and get real with him, it's that literal that you speak out loud and say, get away from me. I'm a child of the king. I don't serve you, and you have no power over me. I've told you before, three, three, three sections of salvation. We are saved from the penalty of sin. That's what happens when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are under a penalty of death because of our sin nature. When you accept Jesus Christ, that's gone. You have eternal life. That's the past when you accept Christ. We are saved from the power of, of sin. That's right now. We do not have to yield to temptation. We do not have to yield to our, our sinful nature because we have a Holy Spirit living within us to teach us, to guide us, to lead us, to strengthen us. And so the sin has no more dominion over us. We're freed from the power of sin. And Praise God, one day we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. When we go to be with him in glory, there's no more ugliness around us, no more people being bad to each other, no more people killing, no more people uh, uh, destroying their families because they're on drugs or drinking or gambling. It'll be perfect beauty and light, and we won't have to face the ugliness up there that we do here. So that's important. You're saved from the penalty of sin, you're saved from the power of sin, and you're saved from the, will be saved from the presence of sin. And that's great. And so when in this life, right now is what we're concerned with, you can rebuke him. You can claim the blood of Jesus, and that's what's going to send him away from you. And so... Those things hinder us asking for what we want from God. And again, it needs to be in his name. Now, you may be a fortunate person, and God wants you to have that fishing boat with twin mer cruisers on the back, and you can just fish to your heart content. Maybe you're one of those. Probably not. I like to say about the lottery, somebody's going to win. It probably won't be you. God is interested in what's really going to change your heart, make you a testimony to him, help other people see Jesus, and help you to share his love. So asking for money from heaven, asking to win the lottery, asking to be successful at the boat, I'm sorry, folks, Those, you'll never convince me that is in keeping with God's will. And uh, those other, uh, I'll stop there. I could really get to preaching, but I'll stop there. We ask in his name. We ask for those things that are important to God, that are in God's framework. And God's framework 
is for the world to come to know him. And the world doesn't know him more and more. I, I, I watched a sermon this, this week on, on video. And the pastor was making a point in Acts. And regularly in Acts, it says, and they went out boldly. They proclaimed the word boldly. We're not bold anymore. We're, we're timid about sharing what God's done in our life. We're afraid we're going to drive somebody away from Christ. I tell you what, your testimony can't send them to a deeper hell. They're already there. As you testify about him through the Holy Spirit's work in their life from your testimony, you can help raise them out of hell, raise them to eternal life. So we need to be bold, but we need to do it in what God wants. And as I shared a week or so ago, we do many ministries here, and the reason we want this to be comfortable, pleasing, attractive, is for that initial impression to people that they'll stay long enough, be interested in finding out about why we do it, and that's to serve Jesus Christ, to give him honor and glory. It's not so we can be comfortable. It's to make us uncomfortable, to make them uncomfortable and realize the need. Ask, seek, find, do it in the name of Jesus Christ with his heart, with his intention. If he wants to give you more money, it's not to give it to yourself, it's to pass it on. There is a gift of giving, some people have. And the gift of giving is twofold. God, people that have the gift of giving, God enables them with a skill at making money. But not making money so they can buy all they want, but so they can give to others. That's why God does it. And you know those people. Some people have the Midas touch. Now, maybe they use it for God, maybe they don't. But that is a spiritual gift designed to help others. So we ask, we seek, we knock in order to serve him with our desire. Lord, open your scripture to me. I'm seeking to know you better. I'm seeking to know you deeper. I'm seeking to walk more like you. Lord, I feel shut off from everybody. I'm knocking at the door. Send me a friend, a real friend, a good friend. A friend will tell me when I've done well. A friend will tell me when I messed up because that helps us grow. And then Jesus does a simple logic thing there in verse 9. Just, you know, my son asked me for things. I don't turn around and give him bad stuff. If he said, Dad, we're short, we need some money for food, you know, I'm going to help him. Uh, you would too. You do too. That comes from our Father. That's reflecting Him. If, uh, you know, I, I, I watch some of these videos on Facebook and stuff, and some people seem to have a fascination with snakes. I do not. And there are some fish that look awful lot like snakes, and I'll see them catch these eels for the purpose of eating them, and I'm But if someone 
I, you know, Lloyd's a big fisherman. I think Brandon's a big fisherman. Mark's told me he fish. If someone said, would you give me some of them brim? Give me one of them bass. I sure hope you're not going to pull out some snake that came out to get you in the boat and throw it at them. No, you're going to be good to them, especially if it's your family. So God's using something we all can understand. We just got to transfer it to the Christian life. We don't, that's easy. See, that's what's the beauty of Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching is a surface understanding. The smallest child can understand what Jesus is saying there. That you want to give good gifts. But Jesus' teaching is deeper than we can ever fully fathom. There's always more that we can understand and apply in our lives. And, and that's what I love about him because he is so simple in his concepts that the simplest person can understand it, but he's so deep that I can never outgrow him. I can never say I got this down, I don't need it anymore. I can never say I don't need to pray anymore because I know it all. He's deep. And then he sums it up. That golden rule we talk about. Again, something we should be able to transfer. Do unto others as you want to have them do to you. You want people to be good to you. You want people to be generous to you. You want people to respect you. You want people to understand, to have compassion. Be all those things. My daughter used to have a joke when she was little and trying to grow up and learn how to do jokes. And she finally learned one and said, what's the best vitamin for a friend? B1. Vitamin B1. And that's right. As we, as, as we desire these things from others, we need to give that to others. And the thing that's interesting is... I can, I can direct those good attributes towards this person here that I've met or uh, that I may never see again. And they don't have the opportunity to show that love back to me, but you know what? God sends it from over here. It comes from, but I can be looking and say, well, God, I did that, and they didn't even respond. They didn't say thank you, and I've never seen nothing from them. And God's saying, turn around. I sent you this person. He doesn't forget. He doesn't, he doesn't welch on his promises. We got to open our eyes. We're, I think we're going to sing that here in a little bit. Open our eyes to understand what he's doing in our lives, what he's done in our lives, and what he wants to do in our lives. So that's we ask, we seek, we knock. When we don't see the answer, we say, Lord, open my eyes because I've got to be missing something. Because you, Lord, are true. And I can count on you. And so Jesus has given us this promise, assuring us that it isn't all just hard work. It isn't all toil and drudgery. It isn't all sacrifice for the Lord of giving up what we want, don't want to give up. It is reward but it's rewards according 
to his riches in heaven, and that may not be gold. They're in, they're, uh, I'm going to close one more joke. There's a man very wealthy, had all kinds of gold. You may have heard, I hope so. When he died, he insisted that his gold bars would be put in the casket with him. Funeral director did what he asked. Made it heavy for the pallbearers, I'll tell you that. The man gets to heaven, open, comes out, there's all the gold. And Peter said, you don't need that. He said, well, yeah, I've got to have it with me. He said, well, okay, but I don't know why you want to bring pavement into heaven because the streets are made of gold up there. Let's stand and sing. Open my eyes that I may see riches of truth thou hast for me. And of course, the time of response is what do I do with what I've heard today, Lord? What is it in that personal relationship? We're not thinking about what does Mike need? What does Brandon need? That's not my business. What's Wes supposed to do with it? You think about that as we sing.